Hello. Hi. Um, this is the Ikecast. I'm Ike, and with me is my co-host, Chris. And oh. uh, we're going to be talking about something which we think is really important and that we need to do a dive into. Um, it's going to be one of the first, it's the first part. We'll have subsequent uh, parts to it as things develop, but we're going to be talking about the economics of things. Hey, Chris. Hey, all right. This one is a, is a pretty big topic. Um, so I'm guessing I want you to start off and then I'll, I'm going to make some comments. And then okay, we'll sure. So what we're going to do is um, we want to look at the U.S., Canadian and U.K. markets. And um, I think today is probably going to be, you know, U.S. centric as well as uh, Canadian. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, one of the reasons why we want to talk about this is because we're all living in the age of COVID, right? And um, what happened with COVID was that there's this mass furloughing layoff of the labor market that created a, uh, created an, an economic environment which we have, have not seen like the full impact of and we're going to see it in the near future. I'm going to... I'm going to predict six, 12, 18 months, we're going to start seeing the actual impact of what's happened. And so, uh, yeah. I mean, say what you want, this election cycle, um, whoever takes the reins, whether it be Trump or Biden, uh, presumptive Biden in this case, they're going to have, you know, take their reins on a worse than the 2008 uh, crisis. Yes. And I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb here and say this, that um, uh, if you look at all of the economic crises that we've seen, except for one exception, and that would be Reagan, uh, the Democrats are the ones who've come in, fixed things. And then for eight terms, there's a Republican president. And at the end of that Republican president's term, is a downturn and then you have the Democrat president come back and fix things. Um, okay. So I'm just going to put that out there. If you, you know, I understand that, you know, politics, everybody's it's highly personal, but I want you guys to take a look at the history because historical records do mean something. These are not made up facts. This is not fake news. Um, this exists and you can, you can make that, that determination yourself. Yeah, I okay. mean, you know, verify. You know, it's always good to to, to verify what you hear, and right. you know, facts. Unfortunately, are you know, facts they cut both ways. You know, and it's best to to stay on them. Yep, exactly. And um, and I want to remind all of our listeners: this is a opinion based podcast, and we are going to be giving our opinions. You may like them you may not like them but we do appreciate you tuning in and listening to us um so thank you so on that note we're going to go right into the economic of things and uh where do we come up with that uh name uh, i mean or the topic header is that economics hits so much so much right uh, you've got economics when it comes to your daily life. You've got economics when it comes to housing, mortgages, credit cards, government assistance. I mean, the world runs, let's face it, on dollars or pounds. Or, you know, it, it runs on, on, on that. So I want to look at what, is, what I feel is going to be an alarming trend for for us in, um, and again, uh, we're just focusing on the three countries that we're familiar with, which is US, Canada, and the UK. But um, mortgages and credit cards and government assistance. I think it's all tied in to create this perfect storm that's coming our way. And um, it might be a hurricane um, or it could be a tsunami, however you wanna, wanna think of it. But let's start off with mortgages first, okay, Chris? Yeah, and the reason why I say let's start off with mortgages. So mortgages, um, it 
a mortgage is where you, an individual ha is purchasing real property. They're using that as their collateral. They're getting finance from a financial institution bank. It could be a third party, but they're, and the mortgages are fixed for, or they're adjustable, but you're each month you're paying to a lender for the advancement of uh, monies that you used for purchasing your home. So that's, you know, that's, that's a very like generalized view of what a mortgage is. Everybody should be familiar with it, but if you're not, I'm hoping this explanation gives you some generalized like understanding of what I mean when I say mortgages. Okay. Now with mortgages, if you have a mortgage, you have a couple of options. You have something called refinancing. And what that means is that, um, you know, you go, you're with lender A, you go to lender B and say, look, I want to refinance my mortgage. So I want to come to you. I'm asking you to lend me money. And the bank will take a look at your credit rating, look at your payment history, and they will say, okay, uh, we can give you XYZ interest rate and this is what your monthly payment's going to be and it's going to be for a new term, okay? Uh, that's what's called refinancing. Uh, refinancing requires um, the lenders and you to get a new appraisal done. So you're going to have an appraisal cost. Uh, you have to do title insurance. Title insurance, if nobody's aware, is when a, and there's title companies out there. And this is, you know, applicable in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. I think in the U.K., they call them surveyors, land surveyors. But in Canada, it's also called title insurance. But third party does a check on the property and on the buyers to ensure there's no liens against the property that would impact the bank's interest because they're going to have a first lien on the property and you as the homeowner or the individual who's requesting the loan doesn't have any liens that would also impact uh, the bank interest okay so that's what title insurance is and title insurance can be expensive so more I'm, I'm just going to throw out numbers out there so you have an understanding and if I'm going too much into the weeds I apologize but um, I think I need to give this back this framework or foundation in order for us to talk about what happens or what you're eligible for okay so um, the you get title insurance it's based on the value of your home but uh, I'm I don't have the title insurance calculator in front of me right now, but if you ever wanted to, you could just type in and Google um, title insurance calculator and you'll find out approximately what your cost is. Okay. But most title insurance say the house is worth 450,000. Um, you're looking at probably title insurance about 25 to 2,600. Okay. And again, title insurance will depend on the state as well. So Keep that in mind or the province. So you have your title insurance. That's about, for, we're looking at about a $450,000 house. Appraisal doesn't really matter what the value of the house is. It's typically, it's going to cost you about 750. Okay. So you're already looking at that. You've got about 3,500 in costs, right? And then on top of that, when you refinance, your new lender is going to want to do what are called escrows. And that means most banks don't trust you as a borrower to pay the, the um, property taxes. They don't trust you to pay for home insurance um, on the property. So each month, each, each payment, they will take a little bit as part of your mortgage payment. But before we even get to that, um, at the time that you're signing your re the refinance, what the banks are going to want to do is they want to hold some money in escrow. Okay, that account is just for you. It's to pay these bills on your behalf. But the banks usually take anywhere from three to four months of escrow, okay, of your property taxes. The reason why is the bank has to pay your um, taxes on your behalf 
uh, a month after you refinance, well, you're not going to have enough time to to make the payments to build up your escrow account. So the bank's like, you know what, we're going to have to make this payment before you're going to even have time to go into that payment cycle. So you know what, uh, we are going to ask that three to four months be held in escrow. And as you start making your mortgage payments, and there is going to be an amortization schedule that you can take a look at and see how your payments are applied. But each time you make a mortgage payment, a bit of your mortgage goes into the escrow account and every quarter the bank will then pay to the county or the township what your property taxes are. Okay. I know a lot of information I've thrown out, right, Chris? <laughs> like, what is, and, and I may have lost everybody on this, but I think these are really important because when you do refinance, the banks are going to take these into account. So we've got about a 3500 already cost. And then you take in your escrows. Escrows can be anywhere based on property taxes. Though if you're doing two to four months, they can be any an insurance, they can be anywhere from another twenty-five to thirty-five hundred dollars. So refinancing ends up being about seven thousand. Right? So you can see why I wanted to give you the reasons why, you know, what refinance is. Now, in addition, okay, so refinance is one option for those who have mortgages, okay? What the refinance will do is, yes, you've got a, about a 7000 cost, but you may be able to lower your mortgage payments because you've got a lower interest rate that, or you know what, um, because at the time you purchased the property, the valuation of property was um, X, now you want to refinance it's why much higher so you have more equity that may be you may be able to bring your loan value down ltv loan to value down so that you're not in a um, what they call fha loans or fannie mae loans and i will explain to that explain those to you as i go to the next um portion said chris are you still awake there <laughs> Chris. Okay, I'm going to continue. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. I thought I put you to sleep. Oh, almost. No, uh, sorry. Yeah, but yeah, no, I'm just, just like, huh? Okay, just got to live. <laughs> yeah. Going right. I'm going to see the forest for the trees here. Yeah, okay. So the next, and this is why I was like, I think today we'll probably end up spending more time on the U.S. market. Um right? When it comes to mortgages. So the, the second thing is something which is called recasting. Okay. Or recast a loan, your mortgage. It's a lenders do not advertise it. Okay. So, you know, if they don't advertise it, it's not to their advantage. It is to the advantage of the borrower, right? Everybody pushes for refinancing. They do not push for recast. Um, and, I'll explain what recast is. And this really, really important concept that is here in the US. And I'm not sure if it's available in Canada or the UK, but I think it's a, we'll definitely in our follow-up um, give you uh, whether it is or not. So what is recasting? Recasting is a, um, it's a mechanism that banks uh, do so what it is is you pay a you pay your lender a a you know lump sum and your lender will let you know what it is okay towards your principal your loan gets reamortized okay they'll but your interest and your loan term don't change okay but because there's now you've got uh, more of your principal has been paid your mortgage payment gets recalculated based on the new lower balance, okay? So as an example, I'm gonna go back to our house, which is worth 450, right? You have a mortgage on it. Um, I'm gonna say the, 
the mortgage on it was 380. Okay. That with the time you had the mortgage there, that's less than 20% of the value, right? Is that right? I think it's a calculation is right. Um, and so you've been paying your mortgage payments and now your principal amount that you have available and keep in mind, your property has a, has appreciated as well. So your property may be worth 475. And so your value of the property to your loan is more than 20 or 25%. So what the bank will do is they will, they'll appraise the property, right? See that you're holding more than 20 or 25% in equity. I, I, I go by 20%, right? Cause that's when, or 78% of equity. I go by that because if you have what's called a Fannie Mae or a um, FHA loan, that's where you put a lower print, you know, uh, down payment. Um, the loan to value is much more than the 78%. Um, once you hit that 78% of your LTV, your mortgage document will tell you that the, what's called a PMI or the, um, the mortgage insurance that drops. Okay. Principal mortgage insurance. I think that's what the acronym stands for that drops. And so that additional money that you're paying towards your mortgage, you don't have to deal with. Okay. Recasting will allow you to eliminate it. Will allow you to eliminate PMI. Um, um, if it's one of those conventional loans. So your interest rate stays the same. Your, um, term stays the same. Uh, so you don't increase the term, uh, but your principal amount has decreased. So your month, that means your monthly payments have decreased. Okay. So you might go from a principal and interest amount, Chris, of, uh, I'd say 2,500. If you recast it with your lender, they may, um, you know, that 2,500 may end up being 2,000. Right. So, and that 500 is a significant benefit. So I encourage everybody who's listening who to reach out to your lender and say, Hey, um, can I recast my loan? Because that's going to be your best option. The reason why is because you've, you've reduced your principal, but, um, and the bank will just repackage your current loan, uh, based on the lower principal amount, thereby reducing your monthly payment. Here's the kicker, okay? They will not recast if it is what's called a FHA loan. Here in the US, we have FHA loans. Those are government um, guaranteed mortgages. And it's for, and it's for those people who um, have put less than 20% well less than 10% of their of the of the down payment towards the purchase of their property okay so that's that's really important because again the banks don't tell you any of this now i'm going to hit on forbearance and foreclosure because those are really where we're heading towards because of what happened in march and april so everybody knows right chris March, April, banks, they said, look, if you need help, if you're in financial straits, uh, we will work with you and we'll put your mortgage payments on hold. You don't have to do mortgage payments, right? And, it's, and they also said, and it's not going to impact your credit rating. And the answer to that is yes and no. It doesn't impact your credit rating itself, but it does. But it does in the sense that your credit rating doesn't go down. Right, Chris? But when, a, when you want to refinance, uh, the, the new mortgage company, they're going to take a look at your, they're going to take a look at your credit rating and then they're going to see, hang on, the last payment, mortgage payment this person made was in February. That means March, April, May. They haven't made any payments. Well, that means that they're a risk. So we're not going to give them the, we're not going to give them a mortgage because how do we know if we give them the mortgage, they're not going to immediately ask for us to forbear their payments, right? So 
that's what pe- that's what lenders don't did not tell you. So if you're one of those individuals who are like, you know what, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to take advantage of this because everybody took advantage of that, right? Or majority of everybody um, took advantage of what the banks were offering, not knowing what may or may not be. So, um, so going back to um, forbearance, right? Um, if you've taken advantage of all of these offers the lenders have made, you don't realize that you, they said it wouldn't lower your, your credit rating, which it doesn't. But because the lenders, anybody looking at your credit rating is now going to see a gap of two, three months, you're now being elevated into a higher risk and they're um, more unwilling to give or loan out um, a refinance for you. So we're going to, Chris, I do really believe that we're going to see more of the uh, more individuals who are going to try to refinance and um, lenders are going to be like, no, sorry, you were in forbearance. So we are not going to do it. We've just instituted a new policy, which doesn't, doesn't, um, uh, you know, uh, it makes you a high risk. And I'm sorry, we're, we're not going to make the offer that we initially were. So that's number one, right? I, th- I think that will occur if yes. a, f- a couple of events come, come to pass. So right now, a lot of people are going to be in this loan forgiveness. Or well, not even loan forgiveness. They're going to be in this 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 deferral of payment right. situation, right? Right. A lot of people are going to be in it. And... Congress could easily just make it that you can't, you know, deny these people because, you know, they're an identifiable class or whatever, right? Right. And I'm going to, right now, um, even if Congress does, it won't pass in the Senate because the Senate is controlled by the Republicans right now. And I'm sorry, I do not put faith in them that they're going to look out for the everyday American. Sure. Uh, I mean, there's not really populist, like true populists out there. Um, in the Senate, at least. So, yeah, I mean, like, considering that, you know, with all these events going on, Congress won't legislate against it, meaning that banks will do what they do and they'll protect themselves and, and their interest. Right. Right? Yep. And, yeah, and you're going to have a lot of these people unable to get loans because they took, you know, uh, a very, very legitimate, you know, and legal a solution to a, you know um, a, an act of God not seen in the last century, right? Yes, and then um, I want to yeah I, I agree with you. The other part of this, or the other component of this whole forbearance that was being offered, is say you you know um, took advantage of it for like a month. Or something, right? And you're like, no, this wasn't for me. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you start making payments again. Or um, you've done the forbearance. Now you're, you know, three months or six months, whichever the lender has provided to you, you you've been allowed to, you, you've taken advantage of. Now you're starting to make your payments again. Well, when you make your payments again, um, you know, you the best thing is always to go back to your lender and say, can I refinance? Right. Because they've got your history. Right. You would think that would be the best thing because again, they're, they have your history. They know that, you know, except for that one bump, um, no issues. Well, here's the thing is most lenders will not even engage in um, refinancing discussions with you. If you were in, if you even took advantage of the forbearance for 15 days, they'll say, nope, you have to wait 12 months before we're going to refinance. Okay. Now your easiest, quickest and least expensive is going to be to refinance with your current lender because they already have your escrow. So you don't have that issue, right? You have title, they have your title insurance. They know nothing has changed. So what they'll, what you may do is, Give them your old title insurance plus an update. And the update will cost you maybe a thousand rather than the twenty five hundred. 
the banks won't do it because you know why? Even for 15 days, if you had taken advantage of that forbearance that they were giving when COVID-19 hit and everybody was like, the sky's falling and we don't know where things are going to land. Well, guess what? You, you're SOL um, for that. Okay. And then, um, and then here's, this is where, you know, where, what if you can't refinance? You've lost your job. Now, the government gave assistance in Canada. I think the Canadian government was amazing in what they provided. But yeah, yeah it, they did kick the bucket down the road. And I'm going to, Chris, ask you to, you know, explain what happened. But in, in the U.S., everybody got, you know, most people who earn less than 100000 got only one stimulus check. And that was 1200 If you were, if you had a job, you're not eligible for unemployment insurance, but if you were getting, if you are getting unemployment insurance, they did pass an additional $600, which did help people. But um, can you just uh, let everyone know what Canada did for their citizens? Yeah. uh, Up here, what happened was that during this whole pandemic and people losing their, you know, either being furloughed, losing their jobs or, or, or what have you, uh, the uh, Canadian government introduced something called the CERB, the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit. And yeah. the requirements to get the emergency response benefit uh, were that you had to have worked within the past 12 months. Um, you had to, you you currently are not working due to COVID or on a, are unable to get a job due to COVID. Right? Right. And... Um, in that 12 months where you're working, you've made over $5,000. So this is, you know, for people who have been working in the past, uh, right. doesn't matter how they got off work, but they've made enough money to qualify. And now they're unable to get jobs because of COVID. Right. And that's a large swath of people, right. Uh, A huge swath of people who are technically eligible for this, this benefit. And the benefit gave 2000 Canadian dollars a month for four months and has now been extended for an, an extra two months. So a total of, of six months of, of $2,000 payments coming out to $12,000. Right, which it will help a lot of people in this short term, but it, what it, we've, what's just happened is it's the bucket's just been kicked down the, the line, so to speak. Yeah. Now, circling back, how does this government assistance help? Well, you have the twelve hundred or the twelve thousand, you know, or the twelve hundred in the U.S. or the twelve thousand in Canada, and uh, we'll we'll come back to you if UK had any of these um, benefits. But but if you can't refinance and you're unable because you no longer have a job right um and you end up not being able to make your mortgage payments which people are doing right uh, it's what's going to end up happening two things happen in the u.s okay one of two things happens either you go into what's called a short sale or you go into foreclosure what's the difference the difference is in a short sale transaction your mortgage company is going to let you as a borrower sell the house for less than what's owed on the mortgage. Okay. Uh, But they do have to sign off on it, but they, you have more control. Okay. The foreclosure process, very different. Um, Foreclosure is where the lender is coming and they're repossessing your house against your will. And um, then putting it on the market. Now, for foreclosure, the bank does have to go to the courts to start these proceedings. Short sale, you can negotiate with your lender to do that. So um, what I'm going to predict is we're going to have a lot more short sales coming up. And we're going to have a lot more foreclosures coming up down the road. Okay. So that's, that's just what's going on on the mortgage front. Hey. Economics of things, right? Yeah. Well, we've got another couple of issues. There's your credit card payment, credit cards, 
And there's also your car insurance and, and stuff like that. Car, a lot of people, or not car insurance, but car payments. A lot of people who finance their car or have their cars on lease, well, guess what they're doing? They're not paying their lease payments or their car payments because they need to make sure that they've got a roof over their head and food on the table for their family, right? So we've got a crisis happening with um, with the with the cars, with automobiles. And then the big kicker is going to be credit cards. People, because they haven't been able to work, have been using their credit cards to supplement their payments. And that's really crappy because credit cards, when you, credit cards, you know, everybody take a look at your credit card statement when you have it. If you've gone virtual, go online and check it because credit cards have different interest rates for the different type of credit that they're giving. So if they're giving cash advances and you're taking advantage of those cash cash advances, those are charged at a higher rate than if you were doing just a, a plain credit card. Ideally, you want to pay your credit card off every month. But if you're not doing that, then you're accruing. Not only are you accruing interest, but if you're taking cash advances, you're accruing interest at a higher rate for those cash advances. So we've gotten now into this vicious cycle. Here in the States, I don't know if it was the same in the UK and Canada. And Chris, hopefully you can speak to what with Canada, but here in the U S what credit card companies were doing before COVID-19 is if you had a good credit rating, they would, you know, your credit cards that you had, your bank or that financial institution would say, transfer your, transfer your balance at, you know, for um, transfer your balance, you're subject to a 4% there, but you have 0% for, 18 months or 12 months and people were taking advantage of that, right? Maybe yeah. you had to do like a huge tick- ticket item purchase um, that uh, you wanted to pay over a period of time. You could purchase it with credit card. A you have this like 0% balance transfer offer from your credit card. B you do that. And then you over a 12 month or 18 month period, you pay it off and you're paying zero interest. Great. Right. Yeah. Well, guess what? That's ended. Um, I, I, it was interesting for me because I, you know, I always try, try to see, okay, what is my credit card companies doing? Right. My, the credit cards I have with my bank or what I have with third parties and stuff like that. And guess what, Chris, they've eliminated, I've looked at a lot of them. They've eliminated the zero transfer offer. So everybody who's been racking up that credit card thinking, okay, well, I'm going to transfer it to, you know, to card two, where I have a, you know, available credit of 30,000. And you know what, I'll finance the 10,000 at 0%. Guess what? Those offers are gone. So they're not, and I don't know if they've checked to see if it was still available or not, but you know, if they did the transfer, but you're going to have a lot of people who are not going to be aware of these offers just like dissipating going yeah. away and so you're going to you're compounding now that you you've got a and they might have transferred to a credit card which has a higher interest than the one that they're doing because you know because people just don't think about what the different interest rates are because believe it or not your credit cards have different rates depending on your lender, right? Like I ha- I can tell you, I've got three cards with the same lender and um, none of them are the same interest rate. Like one is at 10, 10.87. One is at like uh, 14.99. And another one was at 16.87. How's that possible, right? It, I'm, it's the one bank, but they've given different rates. So that's that's going to compound what we're going to see happening 
and oh, it my head my head pops when so I think are about you it. Taking all that into account, right? This mortgage yeah. issue that's popped up, right? Where you know because this crisis, people have taken advantage of 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 these bank programs allowing for deferral of payment, but because of that, they're going to be screwed in the future. Right, if they need to refinance or or anything, once this whole thing is over, yeah. On top of that, you have rising credit card debt, which has been a problem long before even the pandemic, right? But now yeah. is exacerbated by people without work, people using their credit to to just maintain, you know, you know their daily lives, right? Right. All all of this occurring. Is there any more things to add to this? Jenga tower that's about to topple. I'm sure there are. I just can't think of uh, what else can. Um, okay. What else so, can? But it's you're. I, I love that analogy. It is really is a Jenga tower. You literally taking a piece from the bottom, putting it at the top, and tr- praying that it doesn't topple over. I love that analogy. Yeah, but I mean, it's yeah. It's right now. It's it's it's. I, I see, like in Canada, what we have here. Like in, when it came down to the south, your emergency response benefits were were, were limited and abysmal based on. Uh, let's know. let let's call this way this way that they were shitty. Yeah, they, they're they're not. They weren't. I would not call them effective for ameliorating, you know, just basic living needs. Okay. Nope. And if the government didn't want to do something like that, they they could have done something else. I I, I just don't know you know, what they could have done. I do like this emergency response benefit that, you know, is up here. It does kick the can down the road and it costs a lot of money. But to yeah. be very fair, this is the time to do it because if you don't do it now, everything will, will everything will collapse. Right. And we don't want a 1930s event. And if nobody knows what happened in the 1930s, it was the Great Depression. Yeah. I mean, I would argue we're having a 1930s event now because our yes. employment across many different, you know, uh, nations and industries, the unemployment rate is equivalent to that of the, you know, of the 30s, right? Uh, right. I agree with you. It, when I say, you know, don't want a 1930s event, what I'm talking about is the financial collapse that happened. Yeah. And while, you know, 1930s and 2008 were caused by, you know, really unregulated markets. Yeah. Right, crazily unregulated markets, tons of, of just, you know, bad sale, bad investments, and then you know, t- at some point, even just fraud. In two thousand and eight, the the whole, you know, bundling of subprime mortgages with, with you know, great ratings. That's just straight up fraud. Yeah. You know, that's fraud by another name. Right, and I I don't know if you're aware of this. This is a crazy thing. You know, a lot of those people who got those mortgages. So this is how crazy the industry had begun. Is people could lease out other people's credit rating in order to bolster their own credit rating to purchase houses that they couldn't afford. That's all part of that 2008 bust. How insane is that? No, it's, it's, it's absolutely, you know, terrifyingly insane. But, you know, while we're not in a position like that, we are definitely in a position to allow that kind of, that kind of action to occur. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to see, um, I'm going to project that we're going to see a rise in, um, defaulting credit cards are so you going to have um, industries which probably are going to benefit from it is going to be refinance industries right yeah um if that's available um the debt consolidation industry that's going to benefit okay. right but the loser in all of this all of these scenarios is the consumer because nobody is willing to work with them. Like banks don't give a shit. Okay, they're not your lender will not look at your history. Payment history, what kind of, you know, 
financial, how financially responsible you were in working with you to refinance or something like that, I think right? Or recast their loan and recast your loan. Most, I think that's the most egregious part. Yes. Because, you know, you could, like, you could be a horrible, just very, very bad person with your financials. That could, you know, that could be many people. But you also could be the same person, you know, who, who kept up with their payments, who did everything right, and then this act of God shows up and yeah. you're going to be penalized for it, right? Even though, right, you did everything right before. Even though you followed you know, and, and took the opportunity that they gave you, right? Yep. You're going to you're you're going to suffer consequences for it, um, and of course this is this banks will always do this. This is what banks always do, right? They're not in the business of, of helping people. They're in the business of of making money off of you know, off of other people, right? Yeah. About return on investment, usury as they called it back in the day, right? Yeah. But you know that's that's just the reality of, of how things are, but. Going into that, all these small things, which are now causing major issues, right? Mm-hmm. All of these small things that are popping up, yeah. they're going to lead to that Jenga tower falling, right? It's it's on a precarious position anyway. The base that you know the, that that's occurring is just filled with debt, right? And then people unable to, to do very basic things like refinancing. And this is not just people who were already in debt, right? These are people yeah. who became in debt due to the global pandemic. Yeah. Right? So you have this huge chunk of people this you know that are now like a class of people that normally would not have reached this position on top of people who would have reached this position. Yeah. Right? And all of them are going to suffer for it. And while in the U.S., uh, I was trying to mention this before, while the U.S. didn't really have a good sort of, you know, payment system to, to help, you know, people in this sort of situation, um, you know, they don't have to necessarily pay for it in the future. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and, according, you know, the current tax cuts for the rich that occurred in 2017 or 2016, right? Or, yeah, it was 2017. The, the 2017 ca- tax cuts are not going to help ameliorate the situation at all. Oh, no, absolutely not. And those tax tax, I'm going to go back and say those tax cuts did not help the average American uh, as it did large business. It didn't even help small business. So anybody who says, you know, those tax cuts were like, you know what? Go back and then and really analyze it. If you weren't, if you weren't already rich, or mega rich, or if you didn't already have, you know, you know a five ten million dollar company revenue generating company, you saw very little benefit. Oh, absolutely. Um, and of course, every other program that they pop, popped up just to help small businesses or or whatever were almost entirely raided. You know, the coffers were entirely raided by large corporate entities. Yeah. Because this this Congress, this president, all of it, they they, they put it through without any significant protections, right? Without ways to, to ameliorate this sort of issue. Right. Um, and yeah, and that's that's what we have now. That's the, that's the reality of, of, of events that we're dealing with. Yeah. And, you know, the it's I, it, it does. It, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen that all of it's going to fall off. All of it's going to just fail. Right. And this failure and this fall off, it's going to it's going to hit all of us. Right even those of us who didn't do anything, a mass amount of evictions, a mass amounts of foreclosures, right? Uh, bankruptcies, all of that are going to occur on mass. And I don't think there is the political will in this current administration to deal with that reality as it comes up, you know, as it comes to fruition. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure if the next administration, you know, has the wherewithal 
to deal with this level of just, you know, this level of just insanity that's going to occur. Yeah. They this upside down pyramid, right? Right. And and sold the world on a, on a false bill of goods on this, right? Right. And that's just that's caused just by a pandemic by a foreign nation. Yeah. Right. Like, think like this. This right now was. I'm not going to buy into the conspiracy that this is all planned or or thing. This was a horrifying, bad, you know, accident that that has occurred across the world. I agree with you there, but I think the responses have been. I think, without full transparency, I think the responses by certain governments have been contrived with you know with a end goal in mind and that is not to help the the average citizen of their country within their borders i i'm gonna put i'm gonna put that out there that's my opinion because you know what here here's the thing is you know chris in the previous um you know when there's previous downturns right um i think if you look at the clinton administration's uh, response there was bipartisanship there okay in uh when obama came in after 2008 uh his the uh, democrats held the majority in both so they were able to pass sweeping legislation that would help prop up industries and stop the free fall okay and we're in such a toxic, uh, when I say we're, I'm, I, obviously I'm talking about the U.S., we're in such a toxic political environment here. Neither side is looking at the average citizen. Both sides, I think, are looking at trying to make political points, and that's bullshit. And I personally feel that the Republicans are more, they don't care about the average citizen at all. Because I've seen nothing that would get, that shows me that, yes, their policies have been helping us. I mean... They're pressured into it. I mean, I have this strange sort of belief that, you know, the average American has this strange idea in their head that they one day will become a billionaire. Right, right. That Americans that you know they work hard enough and all that sort of stuff. That American dream, they're gonna they're going to you know work it out. They're all going to be fine, right? They're going to be the people who benefit from those Republican style policies. But right? you're not there yet. So what are you benefiting? Nothing. Not, not to mention that, but any policy that helps you know the rich inherently does not help everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> right? And just because you think you might reach that position doesn't necessarily mean you will. In fact, statistically, you won't. Right. Well, okay, so let's um, touch on the American dream, right? Yeah. What is that? Um, You said, you know, everybody believes that they're going to become billionaires. You know, um, they're the next Google or Facebook or whatever. You quite possibly are, Right. But at the end of the day, most, I think, Americans want a, a very nice home, right? Be able to drive a nice car, be able to go on vacation, right? Um, maybe go out and eat. I, I mean, in the U.S., I think more so than other countries, we're very much a let's go out and have dinner type of culture, which also has been impacted because of COVID-19, right? Uh, I have not gone to a restaurant since COVID-19 happened, not because of finances, but because I do not want to catch anything, okay? So I'm preserving myself and I'm trying to protect anybody else out there. I mean, I go out in a mask whenever I go out. If I'm not in my home, I've got a mask on. I mean... Because I'm Canadian, I come with the, 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 the very, very strict understanding that all rights are subject to limitation, right? As, as opposed to Americans where nothing is subject to limitation and any, everything is an infringement. Right. 
Um, so, you know, wearing a mask and all that is not, you know, strange or a weird political thing, you know, here. It's just a reality. You know, it's like people get sick, wear a mask. When this yeah. is over, you don't have to wear a mask, right? Do yourself right. a favor. Do, do your family a favor, right? Don't and do sick. society a favor. Right. So, um, interestingly enough, while we're talking, right, um, something just popped up and it's circled back and it's um, a CNBC article. <laughs> and this was just published two hours ago. And guess what it is, says? It says credit card industry reigns in balance transfer offers as banks from JP Morgan to Amex fear defaults. How apropos is that, Chris? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, right on point, right? That's the universe <laughs> telling yeah. us that, you know, we do need to pay attention. This is real. And, um, you know, there's so much more information out there that we, I do feel that the economics of things is going to be multiple part uh, discussion for us. Oh, absolutely. I think that is, um, it's, a, it's a continuing discussion more than anything. Right? Yeah, it's it's not a discussion that just ends at this moment. It, it continues, and we're going to have to really keep an eye out on just you know the nature of of, of what's going on in the world, right? Yeah. The nature of, of of how these individuals are are going to be um, just working it out. Yeah, you know, all that being said, right? Um, yeah, this is the, the the state of the world that we're in. You know, people are going to suffer because of horrible policies, because of lack of, of, you know, of forethought, right? And, you know, while we in Canada have an advantage, right, in terms of, like, we have a good benefit, when yeah. that benefit ends, the reliance on it will be real. And an extra two months me- might mean the difference between, you know, jobs coming back and not. Right? Yeah. But... Yeah. All that being said, you know, the nature of, of, of the world as we know it, of how we, you know, judge employment on what is appropriate employment in terms of, you know, location, workspace, pay, um, hours, all of these things will become incredibly important. Yes, right? it will. Yep. Um, and the conversation uh, is incredibly tied with the economics of, of things as, as they stand. Right. Okay. Yep. So considering all of that, um, you know, it's just right now, you know, the U S and Canada, you know, very inextricably tied together, but, you know, fundamentally different in how they handle things. Right. Uh, but I want to pivot over to the UK. Yeah. And while yep. I don't have a lot of information on what the UK is doing in terms of their financial stuff, I do want to point out that before the pandemic, the UK was in the process of Brexit. Right? Yep. And that already was going to be an economic, you know... uh, Hit. Yeah, it was going to be an economic hit, no matter what. You know, whenever you leave a free trade zone, right, that has practically no borders for the free movement of goods, right, uh, across you know, all of Europe, of course, you're going to take a hit. You're going to have to deal with now customs duties and everything else that arises, right? Yeah. From the issue. And, you know, the, the UK has been very unreasonable in the way it's done its, its business this whole time, right? When it comes to, you know, uh, when it comes to their Brexit procedure, right? They've been completely unreasonable. They've had a series of elections, right? Yeah. All in a short period of time since 2016, right? Right. And it, no, it's 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 in a very very strange position because and the UK is going to suffer for it. You know, you know, pulling out of the European Union, making sure you know that this occurs. Um, many members of the European Union goes like, we don't care about building up a trade deal right now with the UK because we're in the middle of a pandemic. We need to help out Europeans. Right. Right. Like the the legislative agenda, you know, during this time is not the UK and, you know, them leaving the European Union. The legislative agenda 
will focus on ameliorating the issues caused by COVID-19. Right? Yeah. UK is going to be, you know, just out of luck. The UK's primary sort of thing is financial uh, markets. That's their prime. That's their primary money-making source. Law, legal field, and in, in, in the financial market. You know, so they can get Russian oligarch, you know, oil money inside their their nation, and it worked yeah. because they were part of the EU, and that allowed you know non-EU members like Russia, um, Turkey, and, and 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 things like that to funnel their money through you know a partner that wasn't too you know didn't care too much about where the money came from, mm-hmm. right? Right. Uh, right, and that gives you access entirely to the EU market through through England. England's leaving the EU. Their financial sector, everyone's been talking, all right, where is it going to move to? Frankfurt or, or whatever, right? Or even Ireland. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A lot of people have been moving to the Republic of Ireland because it's it solves all those issues as well, right? Uh, the UK was a sort of stepping stone for North America to get into the European Union. Yeah. Right? All of that is it has fallen apart. And just taking that into context, Outside of everything else, whether, you know, they do have a housing crisis over there, they do have horrible social issues over there that are going on, right, that they sweep under the rug, unlike the United States, which keeps it, you know, up, you know, and very, very visible, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The, the UK has all the same problems that almost everyone else does, you know, but yep. they're, you know, they're, they're hiding it, right? And they're suffering for it, right? Uh, their current, uh, like, their current uh, prime minister, Boris Johnson doing horribly in his own polls uh, a populist similar to that of trump right yeah you know let's we we have this you know everywhere where we have these populists um who should be as part of their populist agenda helping out the middle class helping out you know you know people who have been neglected by you know ruling elites there's nothing wrong with that inherently right right but they're not doing that. So, you know, their, their populism is a lie, right? As George Carlin once said, it's a big club and you ain't in it. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the reality and people are going to, 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 to suffer for it across the whole world over. Um, you know, there, there will be mass evictions. There will be, you know, you know, mass um, foreclosures. There will be mass bankruptcies. Right, because the the can's been kicked down the road, right, and the the jobs that you know people want, will have to return, but they'll have to return with better you know pay, with better hours, with all these sort of things. We are in this social moment right now that needs to be capitalized upon. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, everything is connected. Politics to money. Uh. Right, social issues like George Floyd, all the way down to, to all this. I mean, the defund the police movement, right? You know, that's going to shift on where the money goes, right? And who gets what, right? And how much is poured back into the community to to ameliorate post COVID issues. Yeah. Um. So all of these things are going to to play into the larger scheme. Um. Do you got anything else you want to talk about? Um. No, I think we've given a massive amount of information, um, especially earlier on, um, yeah. you know, and um, so I, I think um, this is a good stop point for us okay. um, in, in terms of economic of things. Okay, yeah. let's, uh, let's try to, if we, uh, I, do you want to pivot to something light before we sign off? Because, you know, again, I, I know it was a really heavy topic. I mean, it's heavy just because it's technical, but not heavy because of, of the emotional weight that's attached to it. Even though to some, of course, finances and emotion go hand in hand because that's just the reality of how things go right now. Right. Um, but considering all that, let's talk about some, uh, some entertainment that fits on this sort of topic of economics and finance. Um, have you ever seen the movie The Big Short? I have I- not. Okay, and I'll tell you the reason why I have not. It's because I have to be in that headspace to watch it. 
But yeah. I was going to say The Big Short. Yes, that should be on one's list. It is on my list. Yeah. Um, and it does talk about the it shows uh, about the 2008 meltdown that had happened. Right? Yeah, the, yeah, the 2008 meltdown. The Big Short does a very, very, you know, decent job of explaining, you know, uh, just what are the issues? How do these issues arise? Who are the people who capitalized on these issues? You yeah. Know, why it all fell apart. Right, the Big Short does a fairly good job of doing that. Um, inside Job, sorry, or, or yeah, I think it's Inside Job or the Inside Job. It's a documentary about the 2008 uh, financial uh, crash, talking to the major players involved. You know, head of the IMF. You know, uh, major individuals involved in you know different firms or whatever. And you see a lot of these individuals. So there's this great scene where, you know they're they're talking to one individual in, in particular and they're just asking about him all right what you know where who do you work for you know it's like who do you provide consulting for you know aren't you like a weren't you a member of like you know government at one point why are you consulting for these firms like on all this sort of stuff and his answers were so flippant right going like i don't have to tell you anything i don't have to talk to you i don't have to do anything right you know, I, you know it's like my mistake is that i you know came up in front of this camera you got three minutes give it your best shot Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so, but it's it's like that. It's like the people involved in this are, you know, they are they are some of the worst types because okay. see opportunity and in, 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 in essentially destruction. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, the inside job, big shorts. Trying to think what else is. Well, there's the classic Wall Street. Uh, Wall Street, yeah, but Wall Street. It's more about corporate greed. It's about corporate greed, but it the weird thing that happened post Wall Street was that Gordon Gecko is not supposed to be an interesting like he's not supposed to be a character you look up to. Right? Yeah. That's the point of Wall Street. He's not supposed to be a character you look up to. And then everyone started looking up to him. And I was like, guys, you're not getting the point of the movie. You're not getting <laughs> the point of it's like people who like Scarface, right? And Tony Montana and all that sort of stuff. It's like, guys, you're not getting the point of this movie. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. It's like you're 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 idolizing the wrong guy here. It's like this is this is not good. Uh but yeah. So those are the the movies I, I would suggest for people to watch in terms of entertainment. Uh, on, on this day, actually, this is the day. Uh, it's. Uh, oh yeah, it's the twenty seventh. On the twenty seventh. Dark Season 3 came out, and we talked about that uh, a few episodes back when it came to our hidden gems on Netflix. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I, in preparation for it, um, I have been looking, I've been watching Season 1 and 2. Uh, I, you know, stayed up way too late last night finishing it up because I wanted to make sure that I uh, watched it completely. And it's amazing how Having watched it like continuously season one and two back to back, the the kernels that they drop throughout. Uh, so I'm so looking forward to season three. Uh, I haven't read any of the spoilers. I saw one headline which said that Dark nailed a season three finale and did not pull a GOT Game of Thrones <laughs> finale because we all know Game of Thrones. Uh, a lot of people were not happy with that. And I'm sorry I bring up GOT, but apparently season three completely nails it and answers the questions that need to be answered. So Hugh, looking forward to it. I'll probably, you know, do a marathon this weekend. Um, uh, mind you, because I, I watch it with subtitles, not the English version. So I, I'll, I literally have to immerse myself in it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing that um, I would just say is that um, the next week coming up is a lot of holidays for a lot of people. Um, oh, I'm so looking forward to it. Even though you know I'm I'm not going to go anywhere, I'm looking forward to not sitting in front of my um, laptop, my computer, and doing work. Yeah, just just nice and chilling it out uh, up here. Yeah, it, it, you know, good. It's this is what it's all about, you know. Canada Day, July Fourth, all that's popping up soon, and uh, I guess we'll do some maybe addendums on those days, small little, uh, you know, 
things. Uh, I know we have an idea for the next topic, so we'll do it that that around then. Yeah, that that sounds good. We definitely will. I I want to. And on that note, I think we're going to sign off for today. We thank you guys for listening to uh, to us. Um, if you like what we've um, said, our opinions, please subscribe to us. Um, leave us some notes. Uh, leave us some feedback. Uh, where we would love to hear from you. We love to hear about any topics you want us to opine on. Because uh, one thing we are, do not have a shortage of, and that is opinions. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, let's sign out. See you guys. Okay. All right. Bye.